Chapter 28, Cowboy Up. The players are crossing the finish line of our most demanding fitness test. They collapsed to the ground in succession as they crossed the finish line. All of them groaned. Some of them puked. At least one wet herself. They had pushed themselves to their physical breaking points. Again. A few minutes later, they sat on the grass and stripped off their shoes and socks. Rachel Lund showed off her battered legs. Her shins weren't just black and blue. They were solid purple. The blisters on her feet were red and swollen. She looked up at me and asked, How's that for war paint, coach? Soon the others joined in to compare the disfigured limbs that used to be their legs. It was 2003, and it was a year like none other. In 2003, our team had 14 players, 12 field players and two goalkeepers. 11 players played nearly every minute of every game, and four of those games lasted nearly 120 minutes. Think about that for a moment. In a collision sport, on a team full of collision players, it's not just unlikely to survive a season with those numbers. It's absurd. It's the nature of our sport that some players will get injured and miss a game or two here and there. And in a sense, we were no different. In 2003, playing an 18-game schedule, we had one player miss one half of one game. That's it. One player, one half, one game. That may be the most remarkable statistic ever in a season of college soccer. But here's the thing. It wasn't like we didn't get hurt. We did. We got plenty hurt. We just didn't get injured. And there's a difference. If you're injured, it means that you've done some type of real damage to your body and that it's going to get worse if you keep playing. If you're genuinely injured, you should stop playing and heal. However, being hurt doesn't mean that you are automatically injured. Let me simplify it for you. When it comes to soccer, if you can run, you can play. And the 2003 team just kept playing. Rachel Lund was the toughest of a tough bunch. She was fearless. She played with such reckless abandon that we nicknamed her Rock. When her finger got dislocated during a game, instead of asking to come off the field, she yanked it back into place and kept on playing. Why? Because she had to. She had to keep playing because she was committed to the cause and committed to her teammates. It was part of our culture to train and play in pain. It was a tradition that began almost by accident on a fitness day in August of 1999. Lisa Lundgren was waiting her turn to run the next repetition of a fitness drill called Six Minutes of Hell. She wiped her chin and called over to me, Coach, I threw up. So what? Lisa shrugged as if to say, Yeah, so what? Then she kept on running. At that moment, Lisa sent a message that would define our program for years. We don't stop just because it hurts. Lisa was the first player in our program to heave during a fitness session, but she was hardly the last. And from that day forward, no one tried to use vomit as an excuse to bail on running. It became an unofficial badge of honor for a player to puke or pee herself during a conditioning drill. Plenty did, but they never ever quit. Quitting just wasn't our thing. You have to understand that in the arena of competition, the winner isn't always the most athletic or the most talented, but the one who suffers best. She is the one committed to paying the higher price in the name of victory. She's the one you have to drag off the field because she has a bone sticking out of her leg. She's the one who thinks, I'll deal with my personal discomfort after I win the darn game. And regardless of her level of talent, that girl is a winner. The point I'm trying to make is that you won't go anywhere as an athlete if you can't fight through some pain. There's a reason we refer to certain athletes as warriors and soldiers. And it's not because they look good in green. It's because of the amount of suffering they're willing to tolerate in pursuit of the mission. Don't underestimate the value of bravery and toughness when it comes to sports. They are priceless qualities, and you get to choose whether or not you have them. The 2003 team had them in abundance. That team suffered better than any team I've ever coached. 
That's the reason those 14 players won a conference championship. There's some coaches who'll rush to your rescue every time you get a boo-boo. But eventually, you're going to have a coach who expects more, and you're going to have teammates who expect more. And when you get to that team, you'd better be able to show that you aren't a crybaby and that your teammates can depend on you, even when it hurts. Because our 2003 roster was so small, we occasionally auditioned someone from the student body who expressed an interest in joining the team. One of these prospects tried out on a light fitness day. All she had to do was run seven laps around the field in 12 minutes. She collapsed on the third lap. As the other players were running past me, one of them remarked, Just dig a hole and bury her. The new girl was dead to them. They knew they would never be able to depend on someone who could quit so easily. As much as they wanted more teammates, they weren't willing to tolerate an open-door policy. They'd choose a small tribe of dependable teammates over lowering our standards.